Is it time? Is Jesus really coming back? When is Jesus coming back? Is hell real? What happens five minutes after we die? And today, is heaven real? When I think about heaven, though, and I talk about heaven, I don't sense that a lot of us are really, really looking forward to heaven. I think that for a lot of us, sitting on a cloud strumming a harp isn't all that exciting to us. And I think we have a real misconception of what heaven is all about. C.S. Lewis says this, He famously pointed out in Mere Christianity, he says, if you read history, you will find that Christians who did the most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Where is your focus? Is it on this life or the life to come? And you see, focusing on heaven is the best way to live on earth. This morning I have a friend with me. Not actually a friend. His name is Bubba the Beta Fish. Say that with me. Bubba the Beta Fish. Let's try that again. I don't know if you are in a pancake coma or if you're just so excited about hamburgers and hot dogs that you're just not with me this morning. Bubba the Beta Fish. Now, how do I know that it's not Betty or Bobby the Beta Fish? Is because when I bought this Beta Fish at Myers, it had Beta Fish mail on it because I am not a fish expert. And so, Bubba, doesn't he look lonely? I wanted to buy more beta fish, but if you know anything about beta fish, beta fish are not friendly to one another. So if you buy two beta fish or three beta fish, they fight with each other. Sort of sounds like church sometimes, doesn't it? But anyway, I think heaven is like Bubba the beta fish looking out of this small aquarium, like we look out to eternity, and yet if we realize there's this whole beautiful ocean, this coral reef of fish, and if Baba only knew what was in store for him, it would just be so very, very awesome, wouldn't it? 
And for us to get a glimpse of heaven, and I hope you will pray this week that you will get a glimpse of heaven, that you would live otherworldly and so impact the world around you. The Apostle Paul said it like this in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 14 through 18. He says, Knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. We do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction, that's what he's referring to, this life is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. What the Apostle Paul is doing is encouraging them to focus their eyes on what is unseen, on what is eternal, on the hereafter. That glorious heavenly realm. But he says that we cannot imagine it. First Corinthians chapter two, verse nine, he says, but as it is written, what no eye has seen, nor, nor ear heard, nor heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. So look, just like Bubba the Beta, we can't imagine that wonderful coral reef, that ocean, that unfathomable deep that is beyond this life. It's greater than our wildest imaginations, exponentially greater than any technology that will ever be created. And so the question then becomes, so what is heaven like? And we're going to look at four things, four places heaven is like. And first, heaven is a place of love and relationships. Now, we just had breakfast after church this morning. I wish we could do that every week. And we got to linger longer and eat together in community. And it was a great time. And this afternoon, after church today, we're going to have hamburgers and hot dogs. And I hope you will linger longer and talk to people that you haven't got to talk to and, and reconnect in relationship in community. I was doing a funeral yesterday for Dave Butts. And someone, he was a big gamer. And he had these friends for 30 years. He graduated from high school. And, and for 30 years, they've had this gaming and video games and all kinds of things and graduated to fantasy football league. And you think, well, that's kind of childish and that's kind of just not very important. But what those men did was that they connected socially in community. And they took care of each other and they showed up at his funeral. And they cho- showed up at family events because they had this sense of community. It was greater than the video games. It was greater than the fantasy football. And they had fun together, but they had 
some things in common. And, and it was Jesus Christ, our Lord. And as that person who he chose, a friend of his from high school, to have his eulogy, I thought, this all makes sense. That community that we were lacking, that alienation and that isolation that we experienced in COVID-19, that some of us are still experiencing, will not be in heaven. We will have a beautiful, wonderful community. And there'll be a grand reunion for those that have passed on before us. And those of us that will pass on before this next generation. Because we don't know the day or the time, do we? And at the same time, we all know people that have struggled in relationships. And maybe you would say they were relationally challenged or not gifted relationally. And there was always that sense of never fitting in. And maybe you are that person. That won't be that way in heaven. All those rough spots will be gone because we will be made and transformed in those moments. So heaven is a place of love and relationships. Number two, heaven will also be a place of intellectual growth and discovery. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. Some, some questions that we will never answer here on earth will be able to be answered. We will be able to go to Moses or Daniel or the Apostle John or even to Jesus and we can ask those things that we've wondered about all our lives. Why, why God allowed Satan even to exist and create this whole big mess that we experience in, on this earth? Why? Why did these things happen? But not only that, I think there'll be some answers and mysteries that if we explore just a little bit further in heaven, we'll get answers to. Might not come easily, might not be apparent, but if it matters to you, then it'll be sought out and found because God will reveal it. Say, well, well, why wouldn't you just, just know everything? Well, I'm sure that's possible. But I think there's going to be a sense of adventure and discovery there, according to Scripture. In Ephesians chapter 2, Paul says this in verses 6 and 7. He says, And raised us up with him and seated us with him in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace in kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. If you'll notice that I had underlined that he might show us the immeasurable riches. And in Greek, in the translation, it says that the word show means a progressive, ongoing discovery. See, it will never end, that blessing. And I believe that there's going to be worlds and planets and things to explore and adventures to be had. Jesus said in John chapter or 14, verses 1 and 2, and I use this in funerals a lot, but he says, Let your hearts not be troubled. Believe in God. Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I go to prepare a place for you?
See, God has prepared, Jesus has prepared a place for us, something to discover that's beyond our wildest imagination. So heaven is a place of love and relationships. It's a place of intellectual growth and discovery. And it is also a place of productivity and accomplishment. We won't sit around on a cloud and just play a harp. There will be things to do, assignments to be had, mission and purpose in heaven. For some of you, that, that, the, the, the harp in the cloud sounds really, really good. But for others of you, that being on purpose, that being on mission, that opportunity to do and to serve God inspires you. Amen. That we want something to be done for God. In Revelation chapter 7 and chapter 22 of, of the same book, it basically says that we will serve God. It won't be tedious. It won't be something that we have to endure. It will be something that we were made for and, and will experience. Something that we will do. Paul, getting a glimpse of heaven in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 3, beginning part of that verse, he says this, he says, Don't you know that we are going to judge angels? Now, in all of Scripture, when we see angels, people are trembling, they're terrified, they almost have heart attacks and pass out because they're such a fearful being. But in heaven, we will judge the angels, their intentions, their motives. That's what Paul says. Heaven will also be a place of important decisions. What kind of decisions? Well, might have to do with angels, but it might be in, in relationship to uh, the new heaven and the new earth. It might be in relationship to the worlds that we discover that God has created. So heaven is also a place of productivity and accomplishment. The one that I enjoy most, heaven will be a place of joy and laughter. I look forward to that grand reunion, and I hope you do too. It will be a place that we will laugh, that we will enjoy, that there will be a deep community, but that joy will permeate everything that we do. We'll enjoy being productive. We'll enjoy... uh, Exploring, We will enjoy our relationships. And, and, and it will be just a joyous, joyous place. And for some of us, nothing in this life is joyful. It is just painful and something that we endure every day. Jesus reveals this in Matthew chapter 25, verse 21. He says, His master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. We will enter into the joy of that trinity of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit that we just sang about. Wasn't that awesome? Into that beautiful, loving relationship with God. 
But when we think about what heaven is and what kind of place it's going to be, we've got to realize that heaven is not some things. There will be no funerals in heaven. There will be no funeral directors in heaven. There will be no abscessed or decaying or toothaches in heaven. Therefore, there will be no dentist in heaven. Dentists will have something else to do. There won't be any doctors in heaven because there won't be any cancer. There will not be any disease. There will be no COVID. There will be no flu. There will be no pain. There will be no arthritis. There won't be no hip aches. There will be no children die. There will be no one that dies. There will be no stillbirths. There will be no miscarriages. There will be no divorce. There will be no brokenness in heaven. In Revelation chapter 21, verses 3 and 4, John writes this. He said, And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Isn't that awesome? Can you imagine a place like that? For some of us that are a little, uh, we're, well, we're a, a, a person of a certain age, that sounds really, really, really good. I can't wait to experience that. The early Christians could not wait for that. Now, if you know me very well, you know that I am not a big wedding guy. I, I, I do weddings and I'm just not into the whole production thing. I mean, when, when the bridesmaids and the brides have this extravaganza and it's just a, a big, huge event, I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm pretty simple. And and when when they all get together and they have a hairstylist come and then they get their makeup painted on and then they have their tans painted on and then they I mean it's a Cosmo event kind of thing. But I'm telling you, in comparison to the Lamb's marriage supper, the feast of the Lamb in Revelation, that is nothing in comparison to this. When Christ's bride comes, the church unblemished and pure, that celebration, that feast in heaven is going to be unbelievable. Amen? And when we see that occur, that marriage supper of the Lamb, and we are there, we are going to celebrate like no other. It's going to be amazing. I had a youth pastor, and he was my ordaining pastor. I grew up in North Terrell Christian Church, and I just had several events, critical events occur in my life that brought me into ministry. They called me in, into uh, youth ministry and preaching ministry. First of all, we had several youth pastors. They just rotated just like that every two or three years. Nobody stuck around. 
The other thing was I worked four summers in camp with a good friend, and I was around Christian people, and people called into ministry. Had had a huge, made a huge impact in my life. Uh, playing Bible Bowl and going to the North American Christian Convention uh, was a huge event, and that was basically our whole youth ministry in the church I grew up with. But there was one guy who, who was my youth pastor for a year that made a huge difference in my life. And, and he was amazing. He went into ministry in spite of being recruited by uh, pro baseball at that time. I saw him do things in softball. We played softball and we were really good. I was not really good, but, but our team was really, really good. One state while I was growing up in that church and played in middle school and high school with these men. And his name was Rick Starr. And Rick could hit a ball. I mean, it was the farthest softball home run I'd ever seen in my life. He'd play shortstop for our team and make diving catches. And you knew that that was not just some guy that had played a little bit of ball in high school. He was amazing. But he had a heart devoted to God. And in that year that he spent time with us in youth ministry, he made a difference in my life, and I felt God's calling through all of those things and circumstances. But he knew I was interested in going to Bible college, and he knew I was interested in ministry. So even after he moved on to another church, I think our church was really, really hard on youth pastors. And I, and, 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 and I want to create an environment in our church where we love our pastors. We love our youth pastor, our children's pastor. We love our pastoral care pastor. We love our worship pastor. Because they are dedicated. They are somebody's child. And, 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 and we need to love them. And they're not perfect. They're not perfect. I'm not perfect. But when you create that environment, so they stick around and make a difference in the lives of this next generation, which they are doing. But anyway, telling you all about Rick, he called back and he said, hey, I hear you want to go to Bible college. And he was in Greenwood, Indiana, and I was in Terre Haute, Indiana. And he said, hey, I'm taking a Bible college trip. You want to go with me? And you know what he did? He drove a bus, a school bus, all the way from Greenwood, all the way over to Terre Haute. It's not on the way to Johnson Bible College in Knoxville, Tennessee. He drove three or four hours out of his way to take me down to experience that with them. And I was already going there, but he wanted to do that for me. About 10 years ago, Rick died of brain cancer. And I didn't realize how bad it was. I just didn't know. And, and, and you know, I kind of questioned God because here was a faithful servant of God who loved to preach, who, who was so personable and so loving and so compassionate. And I lost him to the Lord. And he, he graduated. And, and, and what was fascinating about Rick was in that short time, he told me, he taught me about heaven. And he said, Chris, I'm really, really looking forward to it because there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. And, and it's going to be amazing. And, and, and we're going to rule and we're going to reign, but it's going to be like paradise. It's going to be like the Garden of Eden. It's going to be so wonderful and so great. You know, Rick's already there, and he's experiencing that. I miss him. I love him. I know his family misses him and loves him, but it's just amazing. Look in, in Revelation 21, 1 through 4. This is what Rick saw and, and, and changed my perspective on heaven. He said, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. This is the Apostle John, not Rick, 
start saying this out of Revelation. I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. And he will wipe every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning nor crying nor pain anymore for their former things have passed away. Folks, that's what we've got to look forward to. If you're a believer in Christ, you're saved by grace through faith. You're never going to earn it. You're never going to deserve it. But that's what God has done for us. Today is the day. If you've never made a decision for Christ, if you're still trying to earn your salvation, I have friends that are in churches that, that they, they're earning their salvation, and I keep telling them, you can't earn it. You don't deserve it. It's the grace. We're saved by grace through faith. Just know, like Peter said in 2 Peter 3.9, he says this, The Lord is not slow to fulfill His promises, some count slowness, but is patient toward you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. Folks, that's God's desire, our Father's desire, the, the, the Father that loves you like crazy's desire, for you to know Him. And He's giving you the time. Today is the day to make that decision. Will you please stand as I pray? Eternal.